This is Coda Radio, episode 539 for October 9th, 2023. Hey, you look nice today, and welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. My name is Chris, and I'm sure sitting there with a fine brew of coffee, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello. Yeah, hello, Chris. And I have so much coffee, I'm like, oh, oh my God, I <laughs> totally messed it up. What's that kid's name from South Park? Cartman? No. Kenny? No. It's going to make... Tweak. Tweak, the kid whose oh. dad owns the coffee shop. <laughs> and all he drinks is like, Tweak, why are you so stressed out? And he's like, I can't, I can't stop my hands. Yeah, man. It'll get you. You know, that's why you got you to gotta cut it with a little L-thine. You see, that takes off the jitters. So that's what us pros have learned over the years. Pros. Yeah. Actually, I love that coffee has made its way into the work-from-home slash hybrid battle. Uh, this story just felt perfect for Coder. This is the headline. Hybrid workers are, quote, coffee badging to spend less time in the office and dodge return-to-office mandates. So um, what, according to Business Insider, is happening is hybrid workers are doing coffee badging where they show up in the morning, have coffee with folks, maybe do a catch a meeting. They're there for maybe a couple of hours and then they just head home. So they've <laughs> uh, they've essentially shown up. They've socialized. They've had a cup of coffee. They've coffee badged. And then they're right back to their home office. So the funny part about this is not only do they screw the employer twice by, one, not complying with the work from the office mandate, they actually cost them more money. <laughs> That's true. Because of the coffee, well, it's costing, right? Well, and they're, you know, they're wasting gas or whatever, you know, yeah. money on the bus just to go do this essentially performative action. This is something that you would see in like, you know, the Irish poets. Uh, I forgot the one, who, the guy who says, let's eat all the kids during the potato famine. This is a sign that the power structure is a little off. <laughs> that's what I think. Well, it's absurd, right? That's, yeah. like, that's what I'm getting at. It, it's absurd. It's so, so silly. And I bet there's a number of middle managers who were like super happy with this for a while. They just didn't know about it, right? Showing you how little it actually matters. Yeah, because you know if the Business insiders covering this, it's been happening. Um, according to them, it's become more popular as companies started enforcing return to office mandates, they write. They say in June, Owl Lab surveyed 2,000 workers and 58% of the hybrid employees said they were joining the coffee badging trend <laughs> i don't know man it's like you push them and they just find a way like the workers are going to do what they want it's so funny i i feel like this just isn't worth it right no. this, this whole fight it's it's getting to the point of comedy because you know that coffee badging couple hours over time as people get used to getting away with it is going to be like literally a cup of coffee and they leave yeah, or what ends up being the entire workday because you're there for a few hours, then you know, you got to leave. But by the time you get home, it's lunchtime. So maybe you grab a bite on the way, or maybe you make lunch when you get home, and then you're freaking exhausted because you've been driving and the coffee just wore off and you just had lunch. So now you're crashing and now you got to get back to work. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I, I wouldn't be so. shocked too if like we actually track this. That, in fact, listeners, let us know. Um, around like 1 30, between 1 30 and 2 30, when people have got to go collect their kids <laughs> from school. Yeah. Right. Because I think a lot of folks, I mean, I know I did after getting used to just 100% from home and it was kind of more normalized or doing meetings on Zoom and demos on Zoom, uh, I mean, or Google Meet, whatever. I less after school pro, right? Less need to like put kids in after school care. You know what I mean? So you, you could just like take the 10 minutes and pick up the kid or kids. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, 
I don't know. It honestly, can we just go into boring dad radio for a minute? <laughs> we should have a dad radio jingle. Yeah. So having my son's uh, after school activities, the the little guy, be not like tied to the school itself is so much more convenient, right? I get him or my wife gets him. He comes home. He does his homework, which is a surprising amount of homework for the second grade, but whatever. And he hangs out for a little bit. Then it's like karate or code whiz or something like that. But there's like, while I'm working, he has a little bit of downtime. That's like, you know, good time for Nintendo, right? Good time for, you know, whatever, like limited activity he wants to do that, but you kind of want to limit. And then he does his activities out of the house. We take him there, you know, karate, code whiz, uh, sometimes various other things. And it's not this like mad dash to be like, okay, wait, today is the after school, this program. So I have to remember to pick him up at this time. Oh my God. I hate you so much. I'm living this today. I, today, I, after we're done here, I'm doing a mad dash because there's a, a, a after school sports event. <laughs> oh, then we should just keep moving then. <laughs> no, I just, it's so funny. Like I exactly know what I hated you're talking that. about here. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> it is a lot easier when you can just step out for a few minutes mm-hmm. and you can be in charge of the schedule. And Flexibility is important right now. Check out this nightmare that Olympia Mike is living in with his SaaS platform. He says, hey, guys, I've got a question or a rant for you. Uh, I run a SaaS platform where people get a subdomain off our main app domain when they create an account. So, like, maybe you get coderadio.rapp.com. Users can, of course, bring their own domain and mask it with a C name if they want. Or, you know, they just keep the standard URL we give them. We've been operating this way for over seven years with no issue at all. I think our Fireside platform operates this way too, Olympia Mike. He says, last Sunday, out of nowhere, Facebook decided that every single subdomain off our main domain is, quote, against community standards because of, quote, cybersecurity violations. (laughs) They started removing every single post that contained our main app domain going back five years. This is a nightmare for us at our users. Thousands and thousands of posts were removed People can no longer share those URLs, even in a private message. To make matters worse, since Meta owns Instagram too, the band extends over there. So now my customers can't share their links to their products and having tons of content removed from their groups. I can't tell you how much this is hurting my customers and our business. We've pushed back and request reviews, but this is clearly bogus flagging by Meta. And it's impossible to get attention by any humans over there. Even if you go through the process to, quote, disagree with their decision, the confirmation you get back says... Your case will be looked at again by our technology or a reviewer. (laughs) So it seems like even if their AI is wrong on this one, they can just have the AI check its own work. That's not going to work. Is this the future we want? So I wasn't going to break this news, but there's a conspiracy theory that Google hacked Facebook. I'm sorry, Facebook hacked Google and stole their customer support Python script. Shockingly, (laughs) only four lines long. You know, yeah, and it's a yeah. It's also running on a very old version of Python, and it, it's just a return statement. I mean, that's it's like death. Go f yourself. Return. So he wants to know if we have any advice or any thoughts, um, maybe why this could happen, or at the very least, could we use all this as proof of relying on centralized tech and giants like Meta is bad, bad idea. It's bad. We had something similar like this at the Mad Botter, where one rural ISP flagged us as a gambling site for some reason about a year back. And it turns out all these little ISPs have deals with each other, where if you're flagged in one, you get flagged in all the others. Yeah. So just randomly, we were getting these weird things for somebody like, hey, I, we can't get to your website. And we're trying to like, you know, book an appointment to see a demo or something. It, it took, I actually ended up on the phone with some dude in like rural Kentucky trying to figure out what was going on. And he's like, 
oh, there's a casino out here named blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, why would you block that anyway? I mean, <laughs> let, I mean, I, it's a legal facility, right? right? If it's they a have a license, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. But it, it, it took, I hate to tell you this, but it took a letter from a lawyer, from our lawyer, to all these ISPs. Thank God he just like wrote the letter and let me readdress it and send it myself, or else that would have been quite expensive. And it took two months to fix. Oh, man. It was really time-consuming and very... Yeah, Lycan remembers us getting flagged. It was very frustrating because then at one point... Uh, Norton picked us up. So any corporate enterprises that were using <laughs> Norton for like their, you know, their their software whitelisting or whatever, we were just blocked. And that's kind of our target customer. So that uh, sucked. Yeah, I you got to keep at it. The thing is tenacity. Um, I don't know if you've ever done like sales sales before, like in person sales, but you got to be a pain in the ass and just keep dogging these dudes because just getting them on the phone, I think, took five emails and a several phone calls each for each individual vendor we had to talk to. Ironically, Norton was the easiest to deal with because they actually have... They, this must happen all the time because they have an automated thing where they will then run their own script on your site and see if it's doing any kind of malware. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, boy, Mike. You know, I I wonder if you could dig through Cloudflare and do some of this uh, through Cloudflare in a different method that wouldn't get flagged by Meta. Because if Meta is going to flag it, I think... You know, my experience and my experience with these kinds of things is that it does kind of tend to spread. JB ran into this in a, for a hot minute when we had a WordPress site 100 years ago. And I think I had like some Amazon WordPress plugin. You know how it goes with WordPress, right? You got like 10 plugins or five plugins and one of them eventually has an issue. Or like the developer gets bought out and then somebody puts malware. In. I don't know what the story was, but Google detected that we were, you know, we had that WordPress plugin and uh, just started flagging Jupiter Broadcasting and it took us a bit to get that even though I removed the plugin as soon as I was able to figure out what they were complaining about which you know probably took about an hour I removed that plugin entirely just didn't need it and just took it out and but then it was a matter of just constantly working different places and sending them emails asking for support trying to get that resolved and it's so hit and miss so it is a tricky problem I'd like to know how you solve it Mike because Boy, oh boy, that's probably going to be something that hits other folks. Maybe like I could see Fireside or other providers that let you do this with your own C name or just use a subdomain. That's pretty common. Oh way yeah, to do oh yeah, that's going to be yeah. Let us know how you how that goes for you because that's going to be tough. Alderon.games/coder. Alderon Games is looking to hire talented remote workers, and they're in a really special place right now. They're an independent game shop, their own publisher. They do that themselves. They do the development. It's all in-house. And they're looking to grow, and they're looking for great remote workers. So if you're listening to this podcast, you might be a great fit. So check out alderon.games slash coder and go see the positions they have open. Last time I checked, they have a PHP position open, an Electron developer, and an OJS developer position, two different Unreal game developer positions, some QA tester positions, and gameplay security engineer. And there might be some other roles that they'll have available for you because they're expanding, they're growing, and there's a lot of things that need done. I like to give a little plug here for you Linux folks as well because they do publish on the Linux platform. Matt leads Alderon Games. He started listening to Coda Radio almost a decade ago when he was still working the 9 to 5. And somehow by listening to Mike and I, he decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and do my own business and go create my own games. I'm going to self-publish, which is crazy in this day and age. And now he's at that phase where he's got to hire folks. So I think it's kind of a neat story of sort of a completion, right? It's a listener that starts listening to the show, 
They get inspired. They go create a great business. And then they come back to the show both as a sponsor to support us and to potentially hire some of our community and give them great remote paying jobs. So check it out at alderon.games slash coder. Yeah, that's the Alderon games you hear Mike talk about in the show as well. I think you're going to really be impressed with what they have over there. And they just seem like such a neat company. Go say hi and check them out. Brush up your GitHub profile at alderon.games slash coder. So you had some builds go sideways, it sounds like, because I was chatting with you at one point during the week. Mm. And I think I had gone and done like three or four different things. Six hours later, I came back and you were still trying to build a project, still trying to get things going. Sounds like it's been a rough week. Well, so two separate problems. Uh, That one in particular isn't my fault. It turns out I need a Windows box that is far superior to my poor uh, little Lenovo here. But the reason I was compiling on Windows is, is definitely my fault. So it turns out that C++ is wonderful. And when you're compiling C++, you can do, uh, you know, pound, or what do you call that? What do they call that in Britain? Is it, it's a pound, right? I call it the hashtag. The hat. Okay, hash. You know, if <laughs> if whatever platform that you have a macro for it. Ampersand? <laughs> no, no, not ampersand. <laughs> Uh, okay, right, right. And then like, and if, you know, it's pretty everybody who's done this knows what I'm talking about. And it's important to do that everywhere you use platform-specific code. Especially if you're using SVN. And you, the Apple dude <laughs> on the large game project team, decides, oh, this is, I finally got this feature that the iOS people haven't had forever because it, you know, whatever... I'm going to push it up. I got approval. Went through code review. Everybody, you know, whatever. Great. Well, then all the other developers pulled SVN. And I took a nap. So, turns out, can't compile Objective-C on Windows. Shocker. In most cases, right? Including this one. So, after lots of panic on my part for being a jackass... It was pointed out to me, hey, I think you just forgot to wrap this like one line. There you go. Are you serious? That was it. And there was oh. some comedy ensuing because like most of the team there d- does not do Objective-C. And the, some of the <laughs> syntax are like, is this just like a typo? And I'm, and I'm all apologetic, right? I'm all like, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. I screwed up everybody's day. I should be shot, right? Like, I'm terrible. And uh, got it fixed. But then I'm like, I'm not pushing anything up anymore until I can build it on Windows. So now I'm configuring a Thaleo Threadripper. Because I was told by our good friend Matt from Alderaan that that is, for some weird reason, the best Windows dev tower for what we're doing on on the game uh, available right now. That's great. The System76 is a great Windows dev box. Premier Microsoft (laughs) vendor system. Well-known. Paul Throt, big Ah. fan. Yeah. So I am waiting because I heard a little birdie told me on Twitter, which I guess is, I'm sorry, on Weapon X, they revealed mm-hmm. that there are some changes coming. You want to play high low? Well, that's price is right, rules apply. Okay. Okay. I'm going to read you specs. Hang on. Let's let's get over here in the words of the score. <laughs> okay. Game. All right. I, I won't pull up look. the website. Right, I, was gonna say, I won't peek. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All okay. Right. All right. So we are talking the Thaleo Major. I can give you that. Oh, okay. We're not screwing around here. Yeah, there you go. Right, I know. All right, I'll do it in real time. This is we'll do it live. Okay, yeah, just build it. Yeah. Just build it again, you know, and then uh, I'll try to guess the price. As long as I don't go over, I win. Okay, Thaleo Major, 
I'll tell you the base price, $2,400. i am rounding all numbers, so... Okay. Base right. price, $2,400. You have choices in colors. I, of course, am going pink. Um, I actually do like the pink. I, when they sent me the review of all the panels, the pink is actually pretty cute. Um, but I think I'm either going to go blue for Alice because her dress, or I might just go the etched PCB like my old one. Mm. All right, 5.7 Ryzen 9 7950X, 16 core at 32 threads. Okay. 128 gigs of RAM, 4 terabyte PCI E5 M2. Oh, that is a big boy. That RAM and that is a, those are big ticket That's items. Pretty right there. big. Yeah. I'm cheaping out a little here, but 12 gigabyte NVIDIA GeForce RTX 4070. Now, the reason for that is my actual limiter on both Mac and Windows is the CPU, I've noticed. Not the GPU. So why why two video cards though? I don't have two video cards. Though. Oh okay. Oh okay. I thought I, I thought I thought I heard you say you had a radio in there. Okay. Nope. Going up to the hundred uh, thousand watt rather power supply. Why not? Yeah. It's stupid. Uh, we're gonna ignore the warranty stuff because we know how I feel about that. Uh, and we're not gonna add peripherals, right? I have a launch keyboard. I have my Naga mouse. I've had for ten years. I, I don't need anything like that. So we're just talking the built-in warranty, right? Which is free for a year. And I'm gonna run through the specs again. 5.7 Ryzen 9 7950X, 128 RAM, 4 PCIe 5 SSD M2, 12 gigabyte NVIDIA GeForce RTX 4070. Sir, do you have a bid? Uh, 4,100. You win. Exactly. Really? Without tax. Without tax. Okay. 4,232. <laughs> now, tax and shipping, I'm going to hit, you know, it's going to hurt. But Man, I, I could have won big. What's my prize, Bob? That's great. That's going to be a hell of a rig. Uh, we have to sell more ads because I got to pay for this. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But man, what a monster. What a monster. And you're going to put Windows 11 on it? I am. <laughs> Weird. You know what? The funny thing is, so then I went looking. because I, I, like, I believe that, but I was like, you know what? Let me look at the other systems. System 76 is honestly a better deal. Unless you're going to build your own. Right? The big caveat yeah. in this is if... But my track record and opening a computer seems really stupid you know what actually burned me out on building pcs because for years i mean years since the 90s until about 2017 i built pcs 2018 i just built the pc if i wanted it but i went through this just rash of three or four machines i tried to build where i'd have to rma three out of the five parts oh yeah i see and it was like because PC building has been declining, the industry isn't really keeping the quality up for them anymore. And so I just at that point decided I'm buying pre-built because they can deal with all the RMAs and the faulty gear and build the system for me and ship it to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I You know, I'm, I've done it before in my youth, but I – so one thing about the System76 is uh, it, they're not an advertiser right now, but the build quality is good and the this might be just a fat guy hand problem, but there's like room in the case for me to get in there if I have to. We're on some of these. Especially on that big boy. Yeah. yeah. So there is an argument that's been made to me that this is the wrong choice. Believe it or not, this is the minimum. Uh, I, I'm being lobbied to go all the way up to. You ready for this? The, oh my God, the mega. Yeah. All right. Want to do that spec since we're doing? Yeah, just okay. Pro. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How many kids do you have to sell into slavery? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got the color of choice again. We don't care. We're going. Oh, 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 man. 
All right. So 4.5 gigahertz Threadripper Pro 5975WX. Okay. What's our base cost? What's our base rig cost? Oh, hang on. I got to take that out. Our base cost is uh, 4700 Okay. All right. <laughs> 256 gigs ECC DDR4 3200. The drive, we're going again, 4 terabyte SSD. Okay. Uh, we're not doing additional storage. Now, things get wacky on the graphics for the Mega. You have too many choices that cost, in my opinion, just way too much money. So I'm going to go with 16 gigs NVIDIA RTX A4000. I know that is not like a baller choice, but it's it seems reasonable-esque. Yeah, and you've stated CPU is really your main concern. CPU, which is why the Threadripper. All right, would you care to place your bid? Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh, man. This is actually a lot harder. It's a lot harder because there's one component in particular that screws up the whole pricing. Actually, can you guess the component that messed it up? That weird that weird GPU? Nope. It wasn't okay. Hmm. No, I don't know. I'm going to say 6,200. Oh, you're low. I think you'd lose this one. 8,153. <laughs> Holy... Okay, so what what is the main component? The in there processor, the Threadripper upgrade itself, uh, sure. is okay. two thousand one hundred and eighty-five. Yeah, just that's just the upgrade by itself. Yeah, and if you go to the highest one they offer, it's an additional three thousand two hundred and fourteen. So that's a total of if you start from the base model and go up to the highest uh, CPU, that is five thousand three hundred. It's just fifty four hundred dollars. For just the CPU upgrade. Jeez, do you, do you think it could really make that big of a difference? I don't think so. I'm going with the major. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? It, it, compi- it'll be good enough. Now, the only thing I don't like about the major is it taps out at 128. It would be real nice if it could go up to 256 for like future yeah. expansion. Oh. Um, but I mean, 128, I think I'll be fine for... Uh, God, I better be fine for years with this thing. I'm take, I've been taking out a mortgage for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, if you got, you know, I guess one of the other advantages of getting the even bigger one is if you ended up being broken homeless, you could just sort of move into the Thalia. You could live it in. is large enough that my child could live in it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man, that's going to be a hell of a rig, though. Um, you know, so uh, I was kicking around Windows 11 on an XPS 13, a really old one with like a fifth gen i7, eight oh, yeah. gigs of fixed RAM, and it struggles a lot more than I expected. I mean, I know it's the latest Windows. It's not exactly supported hardware, but you know, I've I've been running modern Linux distributions on that thing since the day it shipped, and they've all been pretty peppy. But even like opening up Explorer is slow, just slow for the Explorer window to render. Some tasks are still pretty good, but mm. um, my goodness, man, the com- I'm not a big fan of the Docker desktop software, but the combination of WSL2, Docker desktop, and VS Code is so tight. You know the way like in VS Code you can just click a button and now you're connected into a WSL environment. You can edit any of the files right there like you're just browsing can I, the WSL environment or the Docker containers environment. Just click in between all – it's just right there automatically all set up. Oh, it's so slick. Oh, Chris, that, that's double A-League. Can I give you the pro tip? Oh, yeah. Give it to me. Just run the code McCann newbie. from WSL and just uh, alias the path. It will know that you're running the commit like code, literally the word code. It will know you're doing it from the WSL environment and automatically make the connection. And if you're doing, let's say, Python and have like a virtual environment, it should pick it up in most cases. That's pretty great. Just as though you were on Pop! OS or, you know, elementary or something like that or like Mac. I didn't get a chance to try it for Linux Unplugged, but since then I've been able to play around with the, you know, the chocolate 
chocolatey package manager. How is that? We looked at it a while ago, and it was like new. And my thoughts were, oh, maybe this will go somewhere. It's come a long way. I, I mean, compared to the best Linux package managers, I don't think it really holds up. But like compared to Brew, I think it's pretty good. And it has everything. Like Windows updates are in there. Adobe Acrobat is, I mean, everything. Every Windows app you could probably want is in there now and installable, including the the Microsoft stuff like Power Toys and Sys Internals, which probably been there for a while. But I, I'm really happy with that. I think the combination of the new Windows terminal with Chocolaty and WSL, it's it's really, really slick. And you add virtual desktops and the tiling window management stuff, and they've got a pretty good desktop environment now. It's not terrible. I mean, I was doing some of this on my little Lenovo. It's just the pure resource constraints. But especially, so this is maybe wasn't our intended topic, but, you know, I would say at least like 90-something percent of the dev team over there is on Visual Studio proper for Windows. And being the only guy and relatively new to contracting with the team uh, who's like on not even just Xcode, but Mac, (laughs) they really can't help you that much, right? You're kind of of lost at sea, just working with the tools that they're working it. And I was shocked at just how awesome VS Code, uh, sorry, uh, Visual Studio proper 2022 is for C++. Even C++ that wasn't Windows uh, specific. And it has, and the Unreal plugin's really good. I, I mean, it's still Windows, and I'm, I'm still like, ew. But I could see myself flipping back and forth between like Python work or Ruby work in WSL. I love that uh, Penguin. Uh, what do they? They don't call them distros on Windows, right? What do they call the? Yeah, I guess WSL environments. I don't know. Yeah, environment, and just you know, Visual Studio for the Alderaan work. It's, it's a. They've come a long way. The only thing yeah. that's been annoying the crap out of me is it keeps asking that I log in to the same account over and over again for each individual app that are all published by Microsoft. And I feel like they just need to figure that out. Oh, geez. I wonder, are you logging into the desktop environment with your Microsoft account? I think what happened is I log into the desktop with my personal account because mm-hmm. occasionally like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and then those are under another, yes, that is a problem. But my Visual Studio license is under my uh, my, sure. my work, work account. account. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I find I find myself liking it a lot more than I expected, and I'm, I'm pleased that they've made it so much better. Um, some things are still there that are like kind of really you could trace back to NT4 and XP, and I'm, I'm kind of shocked that one of the largest tech companies in the world after, you know, Windows 8, where they lacquered it over, and then Windows 10 they've lacquered it over, and now Windows 11 they've lacquered it again, and I'm just – that's – I, I, I thought for sure that stuff was like a, a one or two release transition thing and that surely a company like Microsoft would go clean up that old plumbing. Um, but no, you know, still there. It's a little weird, too. I mean, we did a lot of episodes on this, what, like four years ago when WSL was, was you know, the hotness. Mm-hmm. But it's weird how I feel like they've done a, a really good job with WSL. Yeah. Like it's a yeah. full production environment. As far as mine, the first time we remember the first time we looked at it, you had to do a lot of trickery mm-hmm. to even access the local Windows file system, oh, yep. and they didn't. And now they've got graphical application support. They've got true, genuine uh, virtualization in there, hyper virtualization, and they've got the file system support. It's it's really easy to just open up Windows Terminal, open up a tab, and now I'm in Arch. You know, this tab's in Ubuntu, and this one is PowerShell. Of course, you would start with Arch. I mean, come yeah. on. Oh yeah. I like it. I think I'll probably, you know, use it for a few more days just to kind of round out my experience. But I I will say, especially for me, because 
I'm setting up my scratch, a setup from scratch, right? Like mm-hmm. I totally acknowledge the vast majority of Windows users, they buy a machine that has Windows installed on it. I don't like that. Those always come loaded with crap. But man, is it a hill to climb. I had a couple of machines I just couldn't get Windows 11 installed on, period. Then the XPS 13 took quite a rigmarole. And then, as you know, the, the Windows update process on a fresh install is an all-day thing. It's just ridiculous how inefficient that whole thing is. And then you got to change everything. The strategy tax means that the widget button is now where the start menu used Ugh. to be. The iconic, the iconic Windows start button that defined the Windows brand since 1995 has been moved due to corporate fights. And so you turn that off, put the start button back. They hide all of the SysTray icons by default, so you turn on the couple you still want, right? you got to go in and change a ton of stuff. It feels like when I used to set up Plasma 3.0 on, like, an old Fedora install. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of uphill setting, getting drivers loaded because the hardware isn't supported. Right now, now it's completely a 180. When I install a, a system, Linux on a system, generally... Everything is supported. The Wi-Fi works, the sound card, not on Windows. No sound, no this, no that. you got to go through all the process to get it all working. It does eventually get working. And once you have it set up, there's terrific app availability. All the real free software-type tools and software you want are there still. You can get them in some form. And then you do have the WSL environment. You do have the Microsoft tooling. Um, it's it's a, Once it's set up, it's a pretty good experience now. So a side effect of all this is I whipped out my Dev1 because I'm going on a trip, and something about taking a $5,000 MacBook Pro through airport security doesn't really appeal to me in any <laughs> yeah. significant way. And you know what? It, it I haven't used it in a bit. It took a while to update, and I lost that crazy-ass HP mouse, which I wish I didn't. But you know what? It's smooth, and I was sna- it, it took me maybe an hour to remember the uh, the cosmic uh, uh, key commands. You know, the... the uh, the macro controls, for, yeah, for the yeah. tiling and all that. I was slinging Python and, uh, well, mostly Ruby, to be honest. But it was up and running pretty quick. And I utterly failed at getting Windows to run on the Dev 1. The Windows installer. On the Dev 1? Will, will, yep, uh. it will not see the disk on my Dev 1. And, of course, because the Dev 1 was made for Linux, there's no drivers made available by HP. I found the model they based the Dev 1 off, but they don't actually release those drivers directly you have to go through a whole rigmarole so i eventually bailed and i couldn't get windows 11 on the freaking dev one which i thought would be a slam dunk i was surprised by that well we, we should also know uh just so people if they look it up and are excited uh you cannot buy a dev one anymore in fact if you go to the page as i probably heard my clicky keyboard they are only offering support from three years of your purchase so what mm-hmm. chris and i are probably hitting the end of our support i would think or maybe Maybe close. We're yeah, close. We got to be like, who knows? Yeah, but don't know. It's a real contender. Linux is a real contender, for, especially if you're purely a dev environment and don't have to compile gigantic ass 3D console games. Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> Tailscale.com slash coder. Head on over there to get a free personal account for up to 100 devices. Not a limited time thing. Just get an account for 100 devices, which is a lot for free. And you can support the show when you go to tailscale.com slash coder. Tailscale is a zero config VPN that you'll get up and running in just minutes. You got like five machines, six machines. You can get it running in like three or four minutes. And it lets you easily manage all of those resources. So if you want to do fancy things, you can down the road. But fundamentally, what it's going to do for you is build a mesh VPN that's protected by WireGuard. That's the best VPN tech in the biz. And it takes that and brings it to the next level by giving you this flat mesh network where all your devices, a VPS, your local PC, your phone, a tablet, 
a VM in my case, or actually even in Home Assistant, you can install it as a module. It's really powerful because it brings all these things onto a flat network. They have static addresses. You can start assigning them machine names. You can start building scripts around that. You can start re-architecting the inbound, outbound flow of your network and make it a lot more secure. And then you always know that you're protected by WireGuard. And then you get a lot of nice tooling. This is the stuff people realize really makes a difference. Like TailScale SSH allows you to establish an SSH connection between all your devices in your Tailnet, authorized by your access controls, and you don't have to manage SSH keys. So just think about this for a second. Say you spin up a system on a VPS, and that system runs a script that automatically installs TailScale and connects to your Tailnet. As soon as that machine comes online, and there's even ways to authorize it preemptively and everything, as soon as that machine comes online, you can SSH into that thing over TailScale using TailScale SSH. And you can use TailScale Send to send files between all your devices on your Tailnet. They've really built something special here. It's like change the way you work kind of improvement, and you can try it for free for up to 100 devices. You can really try this thing out. It'll work for your servers, your desktops, your VMs, your mobile devices, you name it. Go support the show and get TailScale for up to 100 devices when you go to tailscale.com slash coder. That's tailscale.com slash coder. It's been a bad week for AI headlines. Um, there is upset over AI being used in Disney marketing. There's upset in AI being used for art openings. There's upset in devs using AI to write an apology letter to their community. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like meta mean like they're apologizing to you and you're like not only do i not accept your apology i take issue now with the form of what your apology was uh structured right i mean when you when you send somebody an ai generated apology it's kind of like the lowest form of effort for an apology right? and it's great that my wife does not listen to the show i basically <laughs> yeah, she right. on iMessage she's talking to chat gpt all day long that's a great idea. I should, I should think about that. I stole that from South Park. Yeah. The Disney one's kind of funny. So I guess Loki marketing was using a Shutterstock image or something like that, that as the, or maybe the AI used it as a source. But of course, people noticed that it was a stock image <laughs> called out Disney for basically incorporating stock imagery and modifying it with AI art. Yeah. And then how about this story? This one is really, though, like this is the one that I think is going to hurt. This is the headline. Despite charging $10 a month for Copilot for GitHub, the Wall Street Journal reports Microsoft is losing an average of $20 per user per month. Uh, the Wall Street Journal says it highlights the challenging economics of providing AI services, which are expensive to build and expensive to operate. Using AI to summarize an email is like getting a Lamborghini to deliver pizza, the Wall Street Journal notes. <sighs> you know... Yeah. I think this one's bad. This is bad. That's that's a level of I mean that's that's a 50% loss, right? That's Yeah, man. Well, what I don't what I don't understand is aren't they just using OpenAI on the back? I guess they do have their own OpenAI infrastructure that they run on Azure. But um to me this is such a bad story because all the AI hype is about money for the tech industry. Everything is about AI right now because the only thing that's getting any investment it's propping up it's propping up the S&P 500, for God's sakes, all the AI hype. And so, you know, if this story comes out saying even Microsoft with their sweetheart open AI deal and all their Azure infrastructure and all their integration and tooling, they're losing 20 bucks a month while they're charging you 10. So I guess we're to infer that it's costing them $30 a head to use Copilot. 
that's remarkably expensive for something you want to scale to tens of millions of users. So this is where I, I feel like I'm not on board with the general AI um, hype. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I will hype it for sure. Uh, but not not for the use cases that you know some of these other folks like OpenAI. And uh, I always forget the other one. And the dude pinged me the other day. And I'm very sorry, but I can't remember the name. It's not like, you know, Chris Fisher and Mike Dominic are going to use AI. Like, I'm joking about having my wife talk to ChatGPT, right? Like, that's a joke. Uh, but for specific narrow industry use cases of like, you know, checking documents, checking compliance, uh, basically a lot of like nanny, uh, for lack of a term, like hygiene, nanny kind of work for your data. I think it makes a ton of sense, but it ain't $10 a month. This is the problem with how in the last since when we started this show in 20, what was it, 2012, how the VC vendor devalued software where you could get an enterprise quality SaaS piece of software for like $10, $20 a month. That's nonsense. Things cost money and you're going to be paying thousands a month. Yeah, and infrastructure costs money, and there's a lot of infrastructure. Oh, and I we don't have it in this week because I was going to do a little more research for next week, but all the hosting plans are going up. I don't know if you guys have noticed it, like I've noticed it, but little by little, all the you know, I would say that if you're you know in this business, the underlying vendors that we rely on for our infrastructure, for our platforms as a service, if you had to renew, if you are a software company and you have to get. Some states call it malpractice. Some states call it errors and omissions. Some call it both. Insurance, that has gone way up because now all these old school insurance companies realize the data leak risk and they've basically doubled their premiums. And I can tell you that we just got a bid and we've had no cases. I don't think I've had any kind of issue in six years. And even that was like a $5,000 issue that I just settled. It's crazy how expensive just operating the business has become. I think that's for everybody, right? That's not that's not particular software. And that is where AI can be a cost-cutting, a cost-control measure and help. Not helping you order a damn pizza. Microsoft, you should turn that off. <laughs> like, somehow, somehow even the price of data has gone up. Even just moving bits. Bandwidth. Somehow. Bandwidth. Yeah, bandwidth up. costs yeah. have gone up. I've I've had two different providers who have raised the rates astronomically on JB in the last two months. Really all in the last probably, probably not even two months, probably the last 38 days. <laughs> this this year has been the first year that my storage and bandwidth costs have gone up and not down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is this is a problem. And there's a, there's a situation that I just want to touch on. This is not really the kind of story I like to talk about. On the show, but if those of you listening would uh, stay a while and listen, stay a while and listen. If the you know losing ten dollars a user for one of the most prominent AI tools isn't going to slow the roll of the AI bubble, the situation with Sam Altman certainly could. If it were to actually get any coverage, I I think it's absolutely an indictment on the tech press that you're probably hearing about this for the first time on the Coda Radio program, but. In March 4th, on March 14th of this year, Sam Altman's sister, Annie Altman, took to her Twitter profile, and it's a long, disgusting thread. If you would like to read it, it is still public. It has been public for a long time. She talked about it also in November of 21, 
And she says that she experienced, quote, sexual, physical, emotional, verbal, financial, and technological abuse from my biological siblings, mostly Sam Altman and some from Jack Altman. And she says, I feel strongly that others have also been abused by these perpetrators, and I'm seeking people to join me in pursuing legal justice, safety for others in the future, and group healing. Um, but there's been no coverage of this. Sam Altman was just on Joe Rogan this last week. He was on uh, the cover of one of the financial business reports saying he's the new Oppenheimer. I don't know if these are true. You know, I have no idea if these allegations are true. But is seems pretty damning, and it's from his sister. And she seems pretty disturbed. She also runs her own OnlyFans, where she's selling her body on OnlyFans. And that's Sam Altman's sister, one of the most famous, prominent tech CEOs in the world right now, who just flew around scaring every world leader that would let him into his office about the dangers of AI. He's supposedly a thoughtful, careful, considerate individual. And yet, these allegations have been around since last year. No one has covered them until I just accidentally stumbled across this thread on Twitter. And it's confirmed to be his sister. So where do we go with this? And why are you only hearing about it from the Coda radio program? I'll tell you why. Because everybody in tech, even the tech press, is making money off of AI. It's the only thing, thing making them money. And if the world found out that Sam Altman was potentially raping his sister at some point, that'd probably hurt OpenAI's credibility and probably destroy the AI bubble we're seeing right now. It's a really difficult story. I, I, don't, I don't think, you know... A megazord could destroy the AI bubble right now, but that—that's aside. <laughs> Maybe you know, so. It, 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 I mean, this it, is, don't you think if Sam Altman's credibility was lost, OpenAI was fundamentally rocked? I mean, even this this issue alone would would just shake investor confidence. Potentially, yeah. I think I would certainly would in OpenAI, which I mean, Microsoft, I'm sure, would have a word to say, right? It, um, you know, the whole. I hate these situations. You know, I don't like these kind of things. It's one if a criminal act did occur. Yeah, let the court figure it out. Right. I mean. And I, I, I know I'm veering into dangerous territory here, but I'm going to just take, dip my toe a little. Um, a number of prominent people have been falsely accused, both male and female, and it was exonerated by the proper authorities. And yet they've had, they've lost contracts, careers, jobs. I don't love this public trial thing. I think it's bad. I think it's unfair to everybody. It's unfair to the, you know, the alleged victim. It's unfair to the alleged perpetrator. It's things, I don't know, I'm, things have to go through the authorities. What's frustrating about it is the unequal application of the social mob, right? Um, if depending on who, you know, if Russell Brand comes out and he has allegations from several ladies from 16 to 20 years ago, uh, he is judged and tried in public opinion. The UK government literally reaches out to individual platforms like Rumble and presses on them to drop monetization before he's even gone to court. Sam Altman could potentially be leading one of the most impactful tech companies in the world, goes around speaking about health and safety and, and, all, and trust, and they don't even touch on these allegations that have been out on Twitter for a year from his sister. Now, I, don't, I, I agree with you. It should, it should all just go to court, but there's clearly two different standards being applied. And what, why I get frustrated is this is the same damn playbook we saw with SBF. Mm -hmm. He had a different set of standards applied to him, and he got away – was stealing billions 
and laundering that and funding politicians. Allegedly. And now he's going to get, yeah, allegedly. And now he's going to, you know, he'll get his time in, in court. But the signs were there from the very beginning. And the, the tech press just turned away the entire time. And instead, they painted him as the, quote, crypto king. And they rode that wave as long as they could. And, you know, then now, of course, now now it's popped. Now they're happy to report negatively on well, it. Michael Lewis but wrote a book same that makes him look like a weirdo. That helps, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's but it's the, it's the Bankman Fried playbook now being used for all, and we're just watching it happen again. You know, I just I guess this is Mike's you know dad civics lecture here. It it sucks when bad people get away with stuff, right? The Jeffrey Epstein's of the world, you know. But really, one of the beauties, if if you'll let me have my Statue of Liberty soapbox here of the U.S., at least the way it's supposed to work, is we are supposed to be far more willing to let ten guilty guys go free guilty gals go free than one innocent person be convicted and the new this is i think the worst indictment against social media not misinformation not any of the other nonsense that people scream about it's now a court of public opinion yeah but it's a it's that's not right juries go through a process of voir dire where they're supposed to not have a bias against you Right. They're not they're not even really supposed to know anything you know, about if, the case or the defendant if possible. If they're prejudiced against where your family's from or who you are, your race, your religion, or they just don't like rich guys, yeah. right? Or whatever it is, or they don't like women, or they don't you know, the judge correctly throws them out and says you cannot be impartial. So the idea that random folks on Weapon X or Facebook get to try you without a proper hearing, proper evidence is it's it it's wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent with you. It just seems like we're kind of talking about two issues because right. I agree with all of that, but that's not what how things go down, right? They, we, we, I think what I'm trying to build a case for here is we are seeing this broken system that you just talked about weaponized against certain individuals and then completely just totally ignored for other individuals, and it all comes down to sort of their privilege, their status, their class, their role in the industry, and how much they're all sucking off the teat of the wave of what they're creating. And it's disgusting. And I think we have – so I agree with you. But I think what we're seeing here is two separate yeah, problems. I mean he's more trusted, right? And it may well be true. And I, I would – if I had to bet, I don't know the man, but it, this seems like a lot, right? It seems – I don't know. If it's true, she deserves to go to the – I mean, right? She deserves justice. But That's what she's, she's asked for it in her tweets. But Well, but you asked for it from the FBI or the police. Right. That's, the, that's my exactly. issue. You don't – yeah, because you know it's a possible this could be some sort of, you know, long con to get a bunch of money out of Sam. I mean, I, well, I'm not saying he's guilty. Right. And anybody who's gone through a nasty divorce, th- this kind of stuff is pretty par for the course. So I, I not that it's his ex-wife. But. Do, you, do you have any sense? Do you want to make any bets on how long until this comes out into the general public? Do you think it never comes out? Well, I think unless there's a charge. I mean, I think it's weird that this isn't a criminal investigation. These, these are very serious charges, right? I mean, how it's hard to get more serious. She's just been flying under the radar this whole time. By the way, by the way, do not go to her Twitter feed unless you're comfortable with. Uh, yeah, it's not safe for work material. It, yeah, when you put it in the notes, I was like, Jesus, um, it, it's a lot. I don't know. I I guess I still have that old air on the side of everybody deserves a trial before you before you start bashing on them because. Sure, I'm just pointing out. That that's not the universal standard. That's not how it gets applied. And we're uh, we, seeing we, we, right, right we, ha- we have public uh, tarn featherings all the time. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Not for, I'm not saying I like it, yeah. but yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody who does help us keep stay independent. I mean, I think this is 
become independent media is becoming such an important time right now, both in political news and tech news and general news and coverage. And it does mean there's a lot of diversity of thoughts, but you can support the ones you think are best. And we really appreciate our members out there, coderqa.co. You get an ad-free version of the show as a thank you. You get the Coderly every quarter and, of course, the nice tingles for knowing that you're keeping this content independent. And, of course, thank you everybody who does boost in with a new podcast app or using Albie and the Podcast Index or however you like to do it. We really appreciate the individual production support as well. It's a nice way and it's a good signal for the show as well. Tell us what we got right. Tell us what we got wrong. And now it is time for Le Boost. And forward humor <laughs> is... I like that. I didn't hear that one before. You like that? <laughs> yeah, I usually, yeah, I usually don't play that one, but that is a good one, isn't it? Uh, forward humor comes in with a row of McDucks, and he's our baller this week. Things are looking up for old McDuck. And uh, he says, I just wanted to say I get the best news on Coder. Keep it up, gentlemen. Well, thank you, forward humor. Appreciate the call out for that and uh, the support. We don't really uh, consider ourselves a new show, but it does come up as we're discussing the industry and trying to figure out the dynamics, what it means for us and independent developers. Mick Zip came in with 20,000 sats saying, let's get that bounty filled. And you're helping us, Mick Zip. Thank you very much. And then the Golden Dragon came in with some lucky sats, 6,666. He's using Fountain, and he writes, I have an AeroPress, and I've learned that the trick is to brew it in the press and then let it cool slightly. Mm. I also have a Ninja coffee machine as well. Hmm, I still have my AeroPress. I should play around with that. Uh, he also writes, the Vietnamese drip and V60 pour over are my two favorite ways to enjoy a great cup. And he's a big fan of Alderaan Games. Yeah. And he's glad they're sponsoring. Thank you, Dragon. Appreciate that gosh, down, gosh darn support. Sir Alex Gates comes in with 12,891 sats, the podcasting 2.0 consultant. Using the index, he writes, I currently use poetry for all of my Python scripts. I use Podping Hive Writer included. Nice. It simplifies a lot, but both for multiple developer workflows and the build time packaging. He says, and if you're not shipping in a container in 2023, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get me going on the corporate enterprise Linux packaging. I could show you some dark, dark places running on Axis still. <laughs> yes. Can we get Axis in a date in a, in a container, please? Can I? You know what? No, I think all these people should continue using Alice to move their Axis data. That is the correct thing to do. He's using, uh, I guess it's KGKAGI. It's a pay-for search engine. Fast, accurate, ad-free. The search engine you deserve. Ah. I'd like to try it and see what the how the results are. I like that their sample search is Magic the Gathering. Oh no no! I'm pretty sure he put this in for me. Yes, it is. I got I got mine is best headphones Steve Jobs and Python. Are you serious? Yes, maybe it's just randomly generated. I don't know. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> and, all right, I'm gonna refresh the page. Let's say God. Yeah. No, it's still Magic the Gathering. Yeah, um, mine's mine's the same still as well. <laughs> So no tracking if you're using our search. <laughs> That's wild. That's oh, no, no. Wild, scroll though. down. Scroll down the page. I see what you're seeing now. Scroll down to where they have a screenshot. Okay. Uh, screenshot, screenshot. All the way oh, down. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. There's Magic right, the Gathering. good, good, good. They know their customer base. Steve Jobs, Magic the Gathering, headphones. Nailed it. That's incredible. Yeah. Warmest winter coast. Yep. Also something I think about. I often think, where is the closest 70 degrees to me right now? Why is that not an app? By the way, I just want an app or a website that just uses my location. Do you know why it's not an app? Because you, you because no one will pay 99 cents for it, okay? Okay, well, that's true. I, you know, it's every cocktail party I go to. 
Yeah, I'm not going to. You're right. I'm not paying for it. Yeah, I know. But I would love to know. I my case. Dave Jones, the pod sage, is coming in hot. Coming in hot with the boost. 22,112 sats. It's a good show, guys. Thanks for the effort every single week. He says, I have a Goggy Classic, G-A-G-G-I-A Classic, uh, but it stays broken most of the time. My daily driver is the Bloody Mocha Express Stovetop Espresso Maker. It's fantastic, and you can travel from it. Dave also uh, sent us 10,000 sats via an automated boost, so it made him one of our ballers Ooh. this week, Dave. Thank you very much. Kmog came in with 5,000 sats uh, using the index. He writes, I miss real coffee. Mm. I've been on a caffeine and alcohol hiatus for three months. Good for you. I have seven more pills of a prescription, which I'm not taking any chances with. Ooh, less good. Yeah, that means probably it was a hard yeah, stop. Because it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's going to conflict with the prescription. I just picked up an all-in-one camping manual coffee grinder and brewer. We prefer the French press with an electric kettle. Just seven more days of decaf. But my health is good. All right, good to hear. Man, I know I'm traveling to El Salvador soon, and I'm going to have to figure out what I'm doing about my caffeine situation. Maybe I bring caffeine pills. In El Salvador? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They must have great coffee. I'm told they have some of the best coffee in the world, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I had a listener just send me a little sample. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm told it's just absolutely great. So that might be the direction I go. But the thing I've been told is that it will ruin me for other coffee. Mm. I know. I know. Uh, Mr. Pibb comes in with 4,444 sats using fountain. He says, I have one of those hourglass-shaped Chemex brand pitchers oh, yeah. to make pour-over coffee with, and it's the best for me because I like it iced. I put the ice into the Chemex, I coffee, the coffee into the metal cone filter. That's cool. And then I brew directly using the ice water from an electric kettle that hasn't stung me yet. <laughs> I've never gotten stung by an electric kettle, but I got my wife one a while ago. It's... Got a plastic top and bottom, but silicone in the middle, and it can collapse. It's great in the RV. It's a collapsible, portable kettle, and it only draws like 800 watts, which is really nice. doesn't make a lot of hot water, but yeah. thank you for the support, Mr. Plib. Uh, Tyler T- Tyler comes in at 5,000 TYR, 5,000 sats using Podverse. I get old school with coffee. 12-cup coffee maker to make coffee. Nice. What I mix with the coffee depends on the beans. If they're good beans that provide good flavor, I just drink it straight. If it's cheap beans, I put sugar and creamer in there, and some people call it unicorn piss. The Keurigs are just wasteful. They make a pot, not a cup. I do love the sound of a traditional a perk brewing yeah, thing, perk and and the smell. Yeah. I have to agree on oh. the Keurig thing too. Also, if you do the math, it's not it's financially foolish too. So, so I have a Keurig here at the studio, oh, which a, I don't use, yeah. but I have it here for like when people show up and they want coffee. Mm-hmm. But that's like. It's not like I'm not a good host. <laughs> I feel, I don't, that, that logic doesn't really work when I think about it. Uh, all right. Our last boost this week comes in from Mechaham, I think. Uh, and we get a row of ducks. Boosting to keep the great content alive, he writes. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody else who boosted in. Um, uh, we had a couple that came in below the 2,000 sat cutoff. We had 11 boosters total. And we stacked 102,557 sats. So thank you, everybody, very much for supporting the show directly with the boost. We love those messages. We love that support. There's lots of ways to support a value-for-value production. Sometimes just telling somebody about the show you like can be a great way to support us. Maybe you could show up live, help title the show and add some energy and give us live feedback. Maybe there's a way that I haven't even thought of. There's It's time, treasure, and talent. But for a lot of us, 
The treasure is a direct way to make a big impact and the boost in the membership. That's the way to do it. We'll have links in the show notes for all of that. And thank you, everybody, who supports this production. Um, anywhere you want to send the good people, Mr. Dominic, before we scoot? Uh, yeah, uh, go to DominicM.com. I have something new from last week, and I uh, should have something, I think, by Thursday, if not Wednesday. And uh, check out Alice.dev, uh, automation goodness. One day, one day the new graphical thing will be up. I swear, I swear it will, one day. All right. Well, then we'll celebrate that day when it arrives. Good, hearty celebration. All right, you can find links to what we talked about today at coder.show slash 539. we got the contact page over there. Your emails are a big part of the show, so please send those in. RSS feeds, you can subscribe in the app of your choice. And why not go check out a new podcast app, podcastapps.com. More and more cool features rolling out for those new standards. All right, that's it for us. You're welcome to join us live. Check the times at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. It's Mondays or Tuesdays, typically at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. See you right back here next week.